0: Before we get started, I need to do a warning the first time I've ever had to do this. If you've got young children in the vicinity, you might want to listen to this one a bit later. Because, it turns out, Andy Nyman likes the swears. Sometimes in past episodes, there's been one or two that I've just bleeped out. There are so many in the forthcoming two episodes that it would have been silly to bleep them out. So yes... Listen to this later if there are young people who you do not want to hear the swears. Secondly, April 10th, Share Magic Live for Ukraine. We are doing a free online streamed event. It will be on our YouTube and uh, on our Facebook and on the website. And it's going to be an amazing day of live magic. There'll be performances, there'll be lectures, and it's all to raise money for the people in Ukraine. So entrance is free you can come along and watch what we'd love you to do is share the news that it's happening so comment on the live streams tell a magician friend email them post it on your facebooks or your socials and share the word april 10th midday eastern time there will be an incredible live magic event last time we did it was when the pandemic started and thirty thousand people tuned in it was the biggest free live online magic event the world has ever seen We would love as many of you as possible to join us. April 10th, midday, Eastern Time. Share Magic Live for Ukraine. All that being said, let's get on with this. It's a two-parter and it's one of the favourite episodes I've done for The Insider. It is amazing. You are going to love spending the next 30 minutes in the company of Andy Nyman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you just for a change by Vanishing Inc. My guest today is a successful theatre and movie actor, director, has spent coming up for, I think, 20 years collaborating, more, over 20 years collaborating. No,
1: it's over, th- oh, with Darren, yeah. 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 Then, sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: over 20 years collaborating, writing, and directing Darren Brown's television and theatre work. He broke someone's nose in a seance. It's Andy (gasps) Nyman. Andy, how are you this afternoon?
1: Oh, that's very good. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm delightful, thank you. (laughs) What's your Magic Origin story? You've got 26 seconds. Uh, Magic Origin story is... I've always been a little bit embarrassed by my little stubby hands, so I always loved sort of mimey things when I was a kid Uh, I had an uncle, my uncle Harold, who did a brilliant magic trick that that he would do for like 15 years or something every time I went to his house he bought me a magic set when I was a kid, uh, which I never really did much of, but loved the design and the feel of the things, and then uh, I fell out of love with it, and then when I was at drama school, when I was like 21, Jeremy Dyson, who is my Oldest friend and and writing, directing collaborator. Moved to London and he said, oh, I want to go to Davenport. Um, Come with me. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm 21. I haven't done magic since I was a baby. (laughs) We walked into the shop and it was like instant addiction. Just came flooding back. So that was it. So that's, you know, 30, the best part of 35 years ago of obsession with it. Was that 26 what? seconds?
0: Yeah, that, that, we, we'll, that's fine. We'll, we'll let you roll with it. Why do you think mentalism makes such an impact on an audience? Why is it the only branch of magic that people find themselves
1: willing to believe? Well, I mean, what's amazing, Damien, is you ask that question. When I started doing mentalism, that was not the case. It was not in vogue. It was old-fashioned, the the perception was it It was old-fashioned, it was cobwebby, it was arch, it was daft. No, nobody did it. There was me, Graham Jolly was the master, still sort of is, he's phenomenal. There was me and Mark Paul here, who, who were working at Marvin's at the same time, and both got into it, and Mark has... He's a brilliant magician, Mark, and a brilliant mentalist and has continued to make his living that way. That was it. There was Max in America. No one did it. Um, I loved it. I stumbled into it because it was such a sort of um, naked form of magic in so much mm. that as an actor it felt like, oh, pr- whilst I love props and all that stuff, there weren't props and it felt to me like it was really exciting. And, and what's amazing is, of course, here we are 25 years after that happening and it is, you know, acknowledge, you know, it's, as you say, the most powerful form of magic. I think that's the thing that for me was, was always really interesting was, and that was sort of the appeal, was it was the only branch of magic to my mind that left a genuine question mark for an audience. No matter how you did it, if there was comedy in it, whatever, it didn't matter. There was a power that they know when you take that sponge ball and it goes from their hand and appears in theirs, as phenomenal as that trick is, they know something's happened. They know something's happened when you saw the woman in half. They know something's happened when the motorbike vanishes. But if they like you and they like the performance and that they're entertained, they go along with it. They're complicit in that game. That is not the case with mentalism. With mentalism, your audience is left thinking, hang on, what the. F- I don't. What? No. N- how? Um, and that can be the most rudimentary mentalism to the most sophisticated it's it's a really amazing thing it's a really amazing branch of magic
0: it totally is. But you also clearly love magic. At Blackpool two years ago, I filmed your reaction when you saw Switch One and you reacted like a kid, <laughs> even after all of your experience and understanding of
1: the craft. So how often does that happen to you to but get that
0: kid feeling? You were as so often excited. as I can.
1: I mean, as often as I can, I'm looking around my study at the moment and it is like, you know, a kid's study. And the thing is, you know, myself and Preston, my son, who feels the same way about magic, we started this convention last year, the London Magic Convention. And part and parcel of that, of the drive to do that, was the past 18 months uh, have obviously been very difficult, very grim for everybody, particularly grim for people who make their living in show business. But within the British magic scene, it has been brutal in terms of the... Bullshit that's been going on in the magic circle, all the backstabbing online, all the the politics of it all. It's been absolutely wretched and it feels like it was destroying the, that community, truly. I mean, that's not an exaggeration to say that, you know, you were watching. I'm not on Facebook, but Preston is and I would hear stories and I, I was involved in other ways, but you were seeing certainly in London, um, that magic community be, being so toxified that it, it was really, it, I didn't know that it would survive. And one of the things that Preston and I wanted to do was to, to have a convention that was just fun, that just reminded people that this is, we love this shit. We love that. I do magic A because I love it, I don't even. I barely perform it, but I just love being surrounded by it and surrounded by the people of it and looking at the toys and looking at the things and learning a bit of brilliant new thinking. And we wanted to just try and reinvigorate and reinfuse and remind people of just forget all of that crap and remember that's why we do it. So the, the honest answer, Damien, is that feeling that. I can never understand it when magicians are like, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every lecture kind of nice. at the
0: magic circle. Yeah. I like crossed.
1: nice use of the principle. I, I do. I think, <laughs> let me show you this thing that I, you know, as opposed to just now, admittedly, we're all a bit guilty of that because the more you do it, the more, you know, and the more you're like, okay. So, yeah. 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 But what you really want, what you crave are those moments where you're like, fuck. No. Do it again. You know, and there are plenty of those to be had and plenty of those when you're looking through books and looking at just pictures and catalogs and it's just a wonderful thing. But we just have to make sure that we're not embarrassed to be like that. Right. It's something I come up against a lot and think about a lot um, when creating as well is that Being enthusiastic is not, it's never been cool. It's much cooler to be offhand. Mm. It's much cooler to be unimpressed. It's much cooler to be low investment. And the thing that goes hand in hand with that is because when when you're really invested and you're really excited and you're really, I don't mean manufacturing it. I genuinely feel like that. The capacity for embarrassment and failure is much greater because when you're like, when you're openly enthusiastic or openly trying to do new stuff or openly trying to be, then it's it's really easy to to be pulled down a peg or two or mm. two, to set yourself up for, you thought that would be brilliant, didn't you? You thought people would love that trick. They didn't. You thought the convention would go well. No, people hated it. You thought that I did. It, it, all the time, you know. So it's much easier to be offhand and cool. and It's, it's, it's sort of self-protection. You're less vulnerable, aren't you? You are less vulnerable. It's, it's exactly the word. It's exactly the word. So I think you just have to be, why not? <laughs> yeah yeah how did you and
0: Darren meet I understand that Andrew O'Connor initially offered you
1: yeah the gig so I got a phone call I remember it so clearly I was outside the Wyndham's Theatre in the West End I was waiting to meet someone and I got a phone call from Andrew O'Connor saying my name's Andrew O'Connor I run uh a company called objective tv and we want to offer you a one-hour mentalism special on channel four i mean a sort of dream phone call if that's what you want except i didn't want it at all to it, it's exactly what i said i said oh that's great thank you that's really kind um but I, i'm not i'm, an I'm actor. not a magician i'm an actor and um it, it just wouldn't make me happy so thank you anyway which i think was is not normal <laughs> i, <laughs> I think, think you're probably that. right so he said well look why didn't why didn't you come for lunch with me and my partner michael vine and my business partner and we, we can we can talk about this and i was like okay so we went for lunch with him and michael and i showed them a couple of tricks and and they said look we really really want you to do it and we think it'll be probably about five years of work and we think it'll be sort of this sort of money and it was a lot of money over five I was an out-of-work actor married with two children mortgage um and no no concrete prospects Mm. but I knew it's not I knew it wouldn't make me happy I knew that it wouldn't make my wife happy because she feels the same way as I do so I just said oh no it's not it's not what I want but but and this was, thank God, the moment of if I ever look back and think that was a good thing to say, it was this. I said, look, but whoever you find, you like my ideas and my style and I'll write and direct whoever you find. Well, that that was, you know, the right thing to say. And then they came to me. They asked me. They came to see me um A couple of times live. At that point, I, I was sort of performing when I was out of work as an actor and I did Monday Night Magic. And it just, mm. I didn't always kill, but I killed the night they came, which was good fortune. And I remember very clearly O'Connor running on stage, she go, We're begging you, do the show. <laughs> I was like, No, 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 it's not what I want. Anyway, about five months later, they phoned me and said, um, Jerry Sadowitz has recommended this guy to us, Darren Brown, and um, we think he's really interesting do you have you seen him or know anything about him and i'd seen him at international in the competition and he was absolutely incredible but not only incredible it was really disturbing and i sort of i i thought well i know a lot about magic and i don't know what the fuck is going on here either these people are stooges i mean sort of like like a layman reduced yeah, to being yeah, a yeah. layman these must people are be stooges. stooges yeah yeah i've got no method yeah, at all got nothing to cling on to here and, um, and, of course, they weren't Stooges. It was just Darren's absolutely extraordinary sideways thinking on stuff. And so they said, look, we think we're going to go with him. Do you two want to get together and see if you get on? Because we'd love you to write and direct his performance. I said, OK. And it was Macmillan's was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we met up at Macmillan's to see if we got on. Well, we got on like a house on fire. We made each other laugh so much. And then I showed him something and he showed me something. And... We just got on really well. So then they put us together, and that was it. And that's 20 years, 20 plus, 20, what I'm talking about, 1999, that was. Right. Um, and so I wrote with Darren the first probably decade of TV with him, all the while, whilst I'd go off and do a play or do a film or whatever. It somehow by some amazing alchemy just always seemed to work dates wise, but I was getting busier and busier. And also television is just it's just a devouring, insatiable monster that, you know, as you're finishing Trick of the Mind series two or whatever, it's like okay, now don't forget we've got the special coming up and we need to know the methods on the or the plot on the it was just too much. It just became too much in terms of what other stuff I was doing. And so the last telly I worked on was the lottery prediction, which was also maybe the most stressful. It was more stressful than Russian roulette. It was yeah. absolutely nerve-jangling in I mean that live broadcast was <laughs> I can I cannot begin to describe the stress to you. It was me i'll never forget it me andrew o'connor anthony owen bless him mm-hmm. and andrew newman who at that point was um i don't know if he was head of channel four or something like that it must have been commissioning editor of channel four or something he looked like a cadaver he was ashen <laughs> there were like the four he was there was no there was like four of us five of us in the, the live broadcast room. It wasn't like a massive team. It was like Darren, camera, us. And Andrew Newman left the room because he couldn't stand it. There was... <laughs> Anthony was sort of in a so, slightly fetal position. <laughs> I was... I thought, I am going to puke into this dustbin. I am so so i can't bear it and o'connor was just sort of just sort of letting it wash over him but looked pretty gray it was so i mean it's a very fun fond memory but it was enough to make me think uh i mean I, i'm i'm really truly i can't i can't do any more what was generating the nerves so much? Well, there was the live,ness work. the method. It was the... live, a bit of everything. Right. It was live. I mean, Russian roulette was also like mm. terrifying, terrifying live. Um, but there was something about Russian ru- uh, 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 about the lottery prediction that was so high stakes as well and so we didn't know whether the method would work we didn't know whether the prediction would work we didn't know whether there was just so much so it was so nerve-wracking and that was it it was already at a point where i was so busy acting wise that that i just thought okay okay this this is a good place to stop this Uh, and then all, I've just continued doing the theater. now the theatre's the only thing that I do with Darren, and it's wonderful. And now it's Darren and Andrew that the three of us have done the past um, two shows or something like that, um, mm-hmm. three shows, maybe. And that's a, that's a really blissful um, collaboration. Well, oh, no, it, it's an astonishing collaboration. What's
0: the difference between a theater show and a magic show?
1: You mean between, a theatre show as an actor?
0: No, 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 sh- Like for, for because it seems that the work that you do with Darren on stage is more theatrical than a oh, lot yeah. of other magic yeah, shows. Yeah. So <coughs> what's, what's, the, what's the difference between a, a theatrical magic show and a magic show?
1: Got it. That's a good question. Well, th- I remember very clearly when um, Andrew and Michael said, look, we want to do a stage show mind control live. Would, you, would like you to direct it if you want to do that. And the very first show, um, Peter Clifford was a was a mm-hmm. di- um, helped direct it with me as well. But it, it was very clear to me because I'm you know so obsessive about theatre. It was very important to me that if we were going to do that, it it should never ever feel like a magician doing a magic show. It should always be you, what you're giving that audience is a piece of theatre. You take them on a journey and the show, it's a show that goes somewhere. So within those six tricks that you end up doing throughout the night, it, it, there's something that threads them together and there's something that, you know, what do you want to say what do we want to say? what do we think about the way the world is at the moment what you know one of the things I, that I think is so special about showman the new show and where I'm very proud of our work but in particular Darren actually it it's amazing seeing this show seeing Darren perform this show because what you're seeing is the work of of a man is in, in his middle age and it's written you know by three middle-aged men which kills me to say that sentence because i think of myself as well i can't say 26 anymore because my kids are 27 and 24 but i think of myself as, as a young vibrant man with sure. achy knees but we are three middle-aged men and what to me i'm very proud of and very excited about in this show, which I think is our best stage show, is is you're seeing exactly that. You're seeing a very truthful show that isn't a man trying to cling on to his youth, trying to still look the same as he did when he was doing his first show when he was 28 or whatever it was, or 30. And because you're a different creature, mm-hmm. and and the material really reflects that. Um and, and this all goes back to what you were asking about it being theatre. It's always been important to myself and Darren and Andrew, as it is with myself and Jeremy when we're writing, that you've got something to say. Right. And by that I don't mean oh your opinion's the most important opinion in the world, but people are paying to come and see your work mm-hmm. because of something that you give. So what is that that you want to give this time? And that's one of the things that makes writing and creating really difficult, aside from the fact you've just got to have the ideas. But it's not as simple as just the ideas. It's what sits under that. And you've got to really work at that. Um, but but Darren is, you, you know, I don't think people do underestimate, but I, I just very often people talk about, well, you know, and you know I'll hear sort of and he's the he's the brains behind it, or he's the man it's who a
0: puppet you master. must
1: never <laughs> underestimate darren's contribution i mean we, there's no question we are a very good collaboration myself and Darren. we're a very good yin and yang, and Andrew is also part and parcel of that, and he's he's phenomenal, but Darren is incredible, he's an incredible thinker, he's a brilliant writer. Um, and he has grown and changed so much over the years. I'm about to sneeze. Or not, really annoying. I thought I was going to. It'll sneak back in in a moment and catch you. I haven't got a tissue to hand. Okay, Um, but he really is, it's like, maybe Darren was making that happen. Um, Yeah, he's really brilliant he's re- he's really really brilliant and a joy to work with so yeah whenever I've seen video of the two of you together you just seem to be laughing you just seem well, to be making each other laugh but I mean, I mean that also goes back to the to what you were saying before you want it don't get me wrong there are moments of moments there are hours of agonising silence whilst you are trying to work it out and walking home feeling like oh fucking hell why are we doing another mm. I certainly get like that. They may not. But then what you truly want is for it to be joyous fun. Because that is the best place creatively in whatever you do, whether it's rehearsals as an actor, whether it's trying to create a magic trick, whether trying to write a new lecture, trying to create a magic show. If it's not fun, what is the point?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: When... False explanations of effects like the famous Animal Heaven ad agency bit come about and people buy it and indeed still talk about it today as if it was real. Do you feel dirty
1: or (laughs) or delighted? Somewhere between the two. Somewhere between the two. It's also worth pointing out that brilliant ad agency routine was was written by Richard McDougal was, that a, was that, i was going was up
0: a, to see whose idea that was
1: yeah that was a creation of of his thinking i was away doing a film and i came back and they said yeah we've been, rich mcdee was working on that And uh, he only worked on the one special, but he was absolutely brilliant. And that was one of his ideas. And funnily enough, that was an idea that kind of led... set a template, actually, that has been not only used by us, but has been stolen by a million everyone. Everyone. And... um, so, yeah, I mean, there are times, definitely. The thing I always come back to that I always will say to people is, you've got to remember it's entertainment. You're watching a TV show. You've got to take it all with a pinch of salt, all of it. There are no camera tricks. There are no stooges. But within that, in the way that mm-hmm. you would when you see the stage show, you, there's a lot going on in its yeah. presentation, in the plots. One of the things that I love about Darren. And and when I say Derren, I mean the Derren brand that what has become, you know, his sort of canon of work is that I love the fact very often you'll go and see a show and when something feels and looks like it's just hypnosis, it'll be, you know, five solid magic methods going on. And sometimes when you think, oh, it—that's a solid magic method—it'll be hypnosis, or it'll be this, or it'll be that. There's such a merging of of the worlds that we use that are at our disposal. So I don't feel dirty really about it. I mean, you know, I just sort of nod and oh wow, yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, remember it's a you know, it's a TV show, so. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you loved it. You know,
0: my my uncle who also got me into magic used to work in market research and he told me when i said that i was had you on the show that several billboard ad agencies have used that clip to prove the efficacy of outdoor advertising oh it's yeah i mean
1: it's that that's where it's shocking (laughs) You know, when I hear when I go to, you know, we're right. We're making, uh, we're doing this big new movie, and um, we'd love to talk to you about subliminally affecting the audience to create a, you know, and that, then you then you're in a slightly because what you don't want to say is what the are you ta- what are you we talk to talking cheated. about grow up. <laughs> so what do you say? Well, there's a balance, isn't there? Actually, there's a really interesting thing because when we're making the film of ghost stories, you can absolutely use sounds that are unsettling an audience without Mm -hmm. them knowing. That is sort of in a subliminal way. So you can talk about the things that are legit. You can talk about, you know, there are the subliminal flashes in The Exorcist Mm -hmm. that are truly unsettling and powerful that go by sort of registered but unregistered. But in terms of can you take a terribly written film and make it really effective by using subliminals, the answer is no. You know, can you take a really well written thing and maybe make it a bit more powerful using this, that, or the other? Yeah, maybe, but just probably write it well first.
0: Oh, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Talking of ghost stories, when I saw it in the theatre, I have never. I don't remember being more scared in my life. And it haunted me for months after, about three months afterwards, I was driving in Devon down a little (laughs) twickly-twackly lane and my heart started palpitating months after I saw the play. How does it, and I know I'm not on my own, but how does it feel to create something that resonates and stays with people that long?
1: Thrilling beyond words is the honest answer. I mean, it's, ap- it's absolutely the most amazing thing. It's the most amazing thing. It's taken me a long time as well to accept that that is also the case with the Derren stuff because of my acting, and I've always been very linear about. I'm an actor, and the magic is a... I've always kept them very separate. I've always had a, a, a slightly uncomfortable relationship with magic. So if people... If, if in the lovely occasions when people say, "Oh, I'm a big fan of your work," I don't feel happy until I hear what it is. And uh, that you know, up until a few years ago, if they said, "Oh, my son," or "We love Darren," and we love the, I always sl- not not anymore. I certainly used to sort of die a little death because I think, oh bloody hell, why don't they say they like they saw me in that and they liked that, you know? And then I sort of did some proper thinking and had a real talk to myself about if you can create anything that resonates in any way with people as an artist. And I don't mean artist in a highfalutin way. Mm-hmm. I just mean as someone who's worked in the arts, if you can create something that people love on any level, that is a truly amazing thing. Um. So, but, but ghost stories. Yeah. It, it, it it is incredibly wonderful and exciting to hear that because, because it's also tied up with Jeremy's been my best friend since I was 15. Yeah, I mean, it's a culmination of, so, well, actually not the culmination, the beginning of so many projects and things. But the fact that he and I, giggling, wrote a play that we thought, if we were 15 and we went to the theatre and saw, what play would we want to see? Oh, imagine if there was someone driving and, you know, this happened. And we did it and people love it. And it's still going on and still having meetings 12 years later. You know, the thing is, fingers crossed, potentially about to come back to theatres again. And the film people love. And so it's it's just so exciting to hear, to hear that, Damien. I love that.
0: The play scared me so much; I haven't watched the
1: film. <laughs> oh, you should watch I the film. I it's can't. very different. Yeah, no, it's very. You, I mean, Lucy, <laughs> you messed me up so much.
0: It was three months afterwards when I was driving. Three months. That. <laughs> and that's where we'll stop it for this week. Come back next Monday for part two of an incredible interview with the amazing Andy Nyman.